Welcome to Share the Bytes, episode 29, Internet from Space. Hey, Grant, it's that time again. Hey, Ian, how are you? Super fantastic. And we're keeping, we keep going on our space space theme here, aren't we? We are. We're going to hit 100 episodes one of these days, and we're never, never going to look back. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about space, but space a little bit closer to home in that it actually has an impact to us and a lot more people. Yes. Uh, I mean, everybody needs internet. And only half the planet really has direct access uh, right now. Yeah. So the star of today's show is Starlink. This, Yeah, this is uh, Elon Musk's uh, program to provide internet on a global scale using tens of thousands of miniature satellites. Yeah, CubeSats are, uh, are since the technology has advanced so much now, you can fit a whole lot of capabilities into a very small package. With yeah. some solar panels, and uh, they're doing some amazing things. Yeah, because satellite internet is not a new thing, is it? Not at all. Not at all. Um, Hughes Internet has been doing an asymmetrical system uh, that I know at least, I haven't checked when exactly it started, but I was using it at one point in 2006 or so. So this is not new, but the way they're doing it is new. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember helping folks out looking for an internet provider and you know they lived in a place that didn't have either a fiber line or you know coax service like with a comcast or a charter or anything like that so they were pretty much stuck with dsl providers for phone service and satellite internet through companies like dish and unfortunately you know either of those even like five to ten years ago were not that great of choices yeah Dish networks uh, got got pretty big, didn't they? Yeah, they, they got pretty big, but unfortunately their offering was rather paltry in that I think it was something like only a 5 megabit uh, you know, download and almost dial-up speeds upload. And you were also, I think, capped at some ungodly low number of data that you could use. It was almost like a, how our cell phone plans today where they say, oh, you've got unlimited data until you've hit your maximum, and then we'll throttle your speeds at, you know, before it used to be like 5 gigabytes, then it moved to 10, now it's 15, and then depending if you want to spend a lot of money, well, you can get 50, 50 gigabytes on your cell phone plan. But with Dish, I think it was something, you know, as low as, you know, 1 gig or maybe 2 gigs at the time. Yeah, Dish is uh, 9 million customers after their uh, acquisition of Boost Mobile. Uh, just in July of 2020, and uh, yeah, they've been around a long time—41 years ago, 1980s when they were found. Originally, they were called Echo Star. Yeah, I remember that. But again, they were—they were using geosynchronous uh, satellites, and these are large satellites too. They're not these mini CubeSats. Yeah, they—they're not using mesh networking, which is uh, all the rage. Yeah. And again, because they're servicing so many customers, there's also a limitation of how much bandwidth these satellites can provide. So 
you know, the whole idea with Elon's Starlink company is using SpaceX as the launch vehicle deploying, you know, his plan is to deploy at least 12,000 of these miniature satellites in three different orbits to provide global coverage. So that way you could have a nominal set of base stations on Earth that link up with a you know small grid of satellites and then the rest can communicate with the other satellites to provide that mesh, just like you talked about. Yeah, and so the mesh would be on the, the back end of their service. Uh, they're st- just starting as of last month to use lasers uh, for some of that communication between the satellites and then uh, connect down to the little uh, pizza box size uh, antenna that a customer would have. Yeah, and I love lasers. Nothing travels faster than speed of light. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty impressive. I mean, aiming those lasers is not easy. (laughs) Yeah, and you're talking about if these things are anywhere from five to 20,000 miles, or I, I don't know the exact number, but you know, we're talking miles, you know, hundreds of miles above Earth's orbit and yeah. just, yeah, pointing a beam of light and aiming it correctly so it hits right on the dot is rather incredible engineering feat, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that with my uh, amateur radio experience, you know, using lasers is uh, sort of one thing that people want to try when they get started in the hobby. And, uh, you know, the aiming is just very difficult, uh, trying to get it up and running. And then there can be uh, interference, at least on Earth, there can be interference with weather and things like that. Obviously, that uh, interference is not present uh, above the Earth. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, speaking of that, you know, with interference in your connection, you know, people are thinking, okay, well, you know, is this better than DISH or Hughes? And the answer is, is even today, yes. So, you know, currently they have just a little over a thousand satellites in orbit right now, and they've already launched these you know, dish starter kits to pre-order customers. And I right. think the service is only available to folks like in Northwest America and parts of Canada. You know, kind of but, a beta rollout so far. Yeah, exactly. And as the coverage, you know, satellite coverage grows bigger, you know, they'll be able to service more and more folks. But a lot of people who have gotten this, you know, they said, yeah, it's a satellite you know, pizza dish box. And they're getting anywhere between 50 to 150 megabits per second down. And for $99 a month, that's pretty good deal. And the latency is acceptable, too. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the problems with uh, dish networks or Hughes networks. It's been uh, the latency. Mm-hmm. So latency means how fast uh, when you send something, you can get something back. Uh, the gamers call it ping, you know, how quickly you can get a, a message from here to there and back again. Yeah. Cause um, the higher the latency, the greater the lag. So yeah, if you're trying to game yeah. on something, you could be in a, you know, fast paced, you know, uh, shooter game. And, you know, we're talking, you know, milliseconds make the difference between winning and losing. It can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for $99 a month, you get 50 to 150 megabits, you know, currently for the beta customers, but that also comes with a $500 equipment fee. So, you know, satellite dishes do not come free. Right. Yeah, and I think it's like a satellite dish, and of course, you know, it's a power brick, and then, you know, you got to route the cables to the modem and that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that was very interesting I learned about this dish, and I can't remember, maybe it was Linus on uh, Linus Tech Tips. He does a great 
introduction of Starlink because he says, can you game on it? And the answer is yes. Uh, You know, it's not great experience, but it's an acceptable experience right now, uh, like when we're talking about lag. And again, it's only going to get better. But they're also talking about with satellite dishes, you either have to track the satellite as it moves across the sky. So it has to be on some sort of motorized mount or it has to be pointing to a geosynchronous satellite, you know, a satellite that stays fixed in orbit. And right. in this case of Starlink, it's you know, neither. It's not big. There's a bunch of them. Right. Uh, so, and they're not always in the same place. So what this pizza-sized dish receiver looks like on the inside, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. is a bunch of actually m- miniature reflectors. Uh-huh. So instead of panning and tilting to track a satellite... All these mini reflectors are capturing the signals from whatever satellites you know they're pointed at, or you know they see in the sky, in order to grab that signal. So that way, again, if you just spread out the area and you have more reflectors pointing into your you know, receiver antenna, then you pretty much eliminate the need to uh, do the tracking or you know have right. a fixed satellite in space, which I think is really cool. Tracking's not easy. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen a picture of the gray little uh, uh, receivers. And are you talking about maybe underneath that gray exterior, there's a bunch of smaller uh, dishes inside? Yes. Ah, okay. I hadn't seen that. Yeah. I've got to find a picture of it, but I think it's like, you know, it, I think I remember it was like small little circles or something like that. I'm not quite sure, but it, it was really cool. Yeah. And, yeah, and then also the service even gives you an augmented app to, you know, on the house to find out, you know, where's you know, kind of the best place to put the dish and where to point it in the sky. Uh-huh. Nice. So, yeah, so yeah. You know, hand it to Elon. He thinks big and trying to also make it a good customer experience. And, and yeah, uh, people just want it to work. You know, they don't care how it works. They just want it to work. But when you got a rocket company and you can launch a lot of satellites – uh, what can you do with that? Hey, let's do internet. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn smart move. Yeah. Cause you think about it, you, you mentioned that only half the world's population has any kind of internet access. And we're not even talking, you know, fast broadband where you can upload and download at, you know, acceptable speeds. I mean, yeah. even here in the U S there are huge areas where people can't even get, you know, one megabit down or, you know, or five megabits down. And, you know, today's, you know, just loading a web page, you need at least, you know, five. So, you know, 50 to 150 megabits down right now is great. And I think they're planning on getting up to 300 megabits per second by the end of 2021. Now, hey, I used to load uh, web pages on my modem. So you don't need five megabits for a web page. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if hey, if that web page is all text without any ads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know it depends on the web page, obviously, but uh, yeah, obviously to be comfortable and have it responsive, and uh, you know, not have to think about the latency, not even notice the latency. Yeah, you got to have a fast connection, no doubt about it. Yeah, and again, if we look at the revolution that we've had with the communication in the last twenty years of establishing the internet, getting all these people connected, sharing ideas. I mean, if we can get that to the rest of the po- the earth's population yeah yeah you know, i can only imagine you know the benefits there if yeah it could unlock about- a whole lot of potential of uh, the people that are not connected yet and uh you know the 
network only gets stronger as you add more nodes, so to speak. So it's an n squared uh, yeah. uh, logarithm, logarithmic. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this, but you know, with with all good news, I mean, there are some cons behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about again at least twelve thousand satellites total. There's know, been some uh, pushback uh, against the visibility of the early ones that were all shiny and reflective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you had a camera or a telescope and you're doing long exposures trying to capture that galaxy, that nebula, that planet, or what have you, yeah, you would have these light streaks going across your image, which, yeah, is never good. I mean, if you ever kind of want to get an idea, just if you have a camera that has a shutter speed, set it to a slow shutter speed and, you know, have a light walk across it and you'll see what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> blurred <Yeah. laughs> light source. Yeah. Not to mention, uh, but the good news is that Starlink is taking that very seriously, you know, with light yes. pollution. So they're actually working with the astronomy community to figure out ways to mitigate that issue. Yeah. They talked about uh, coating it in a non-reflective uh, painters, some kind of cover. Uh, they were looking at doing a sh- uh, shields or shielding, to prevent the light uh, uh, interference, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And then the other thing is, is, you know, we're talking that many satellites and well, you can only fit so much stuff above the earth. And there's already a lot of what they call space junk uh, That's satellites, right. you know, dead satellites. And then, you know, we've had satellites that crash into each other. And now you've got debris and micro debris. Yeah, and uh, the number of satellites that they want to launch will double the amount of objects floating around the Earth. Mm-hmm. And the Earth is a big place, but it's still finite. So you put enough stuff up there, there's going to be problems oh, yeah. eventually. Yeah, because if you think about it, you know, for one, you got to make sure none of those satellites crash with another satellite you know, or something random up there in space. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then you've got debris up there moving as fast as it does will just shred anything else it hits and you know for any kind of space exploration involving humans well we've got the international space station that's something they have to worry about all the time yep and i think they track space debris this uh things as small as peanuts oh really wow yeah yeah it's uh, it's a problem the more stuff that's up there um and it doesn't take much to put a hole in your (laughs) spacecraft which it could give you a very bad day if you're on the ISS or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's for a good cause. And again, they're thinking about it. So I think you're, we may even see some other industries come out of this. Maybe a uh, space junk uh, removal company that captures these dead spe- uh, satellites and brings them back down to Earth or gets them to burn up the atmosphere. So that'd be kind of cool. Well, the number is only going to increase because not only Elon Musk, but there's uh, several other efforts that are similar that want to put up a bunch of CubeSats uh, to do something similar. Yeah. And when I think Elon Musk's top competitor in space, I immediately think of Jeff Bezos and Amazon. (laughs) Yep. Jeff is... uh... Didn't they uh, take somebody from uh, the other company and try and jumpstart their operation yes they did so i can't remember uh the name right now but uh let's see starlink executive moved over to uh amazon's uh, what's well actually project? it wasn't amazon no so oh, sorry. yeah yeah so it wasn't amazon it was i, I think it uh was it amazon 
Hmm, maybe it was. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, it was Amazon. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, so uh, a gentleman by the name of, and I apologize, I'm not very good at names, but I believe his name is uh, pronounced Rajiv Badyal. He was a former vice president of Starlink and mm-hmm. moved over to Amazon's uh, Kuiper Systems satellite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's yeah Amazon's uh, internet in space is called yeah Kuiper, the Kuiper project. And there's another system uh, based out of London that uh, was having some financial problems, but they want to do something similar too, don't they? Yep, and what's interesting is they got out of their financial problems because they were bailed out by the UK government yeah. directly. And that one's called OneWeb. And that one's actually quite fascinating because that's a partnership between a government and a, an Indian corporation. Mm-hmm. So it's both a public and private enterprise. Yeah. yeah. Well, not everybody wants to use Elon Musk's satellites just mm-hmm. because they're Elon Musk. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. satellites. <laughs> but hey, more competition in the space, the better. Yeah, again, more choices customers have. It drives innovation, helps keep prices down. So I'm all for it. And also what's interesting is each of these companies are taking a, uh, you know different routes on how they provide the service. You know, the way they design their satellites, the way the technology works, the way they even sell it. Like Starlink is selling direct internet access directly to the customers, where OneWeb is partnering with telecommunication companies uh, to be resellers or to use telecoms as, you know, you know, to be a backbone to these telecoms. So there's all sorts of interesting things you can do with this type of technology. Yeah, different models, different price points, different uh, ways to uh, provide services. Um, it'd be nice if, you know, there are a bunch of satellites are up there all doing kind of the same thing. Uh, they would work together at some point, um, but, you know, People, it's so new right now, um, even though there's space junk up there and they're going to put a hell of a lot more satellites up there, um, they're trying to work through the issues and, uh, you know, see what's what and who's going to win. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to see how this turns out because, you know, we get the whole world uh, on the web. It's going to be a game changer. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine uh, not having Internet these days? Oh, I perish the thought. <laughs> you have to have the internet to listen to us so that's a very important reason (laughs) yes indeed so (laughs) and but and with that you know please keep listening to us we're doing our best to get shows out as often as possible and um you know if you've got feedback we were going to find a way to uh get that feedback for from you and share it with others again our website is sharethebytes.com yep and you and Grant, you also link to the podcast and share the bites from, yeah, from the dvlug.org website. So, the Diablo Valley Linux Users Group. Yeah. So until another time, Grant. Thanks, Ian. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, bye.